Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Steph. And this is Not Today. Are we live? We're live. Well, is it live technically? Whatever. Are we record? We're recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what happened this week? What What's did happen this week? Um, well, today's Mother's Day. Happy, well, when we're recording. So happy Mother's Day to those mothers out there. Both, Amen. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then I got my second vaccine. Love that. Shot. You got uh pfizer yep love that yeah i'm I, I'm honestly jealous because my experience with the second vaccine was not nearly as good as yours was and i i had moderna but it's fine yeah i was good so like i got it in the first 12 hours i was fine yeah and then i started getting like full body aches when i went to bed yeah and i got really bad sleep but like by noon the next day i was like pretty much fine yeah i mean i, I think that's pretty pretty standard like you know I've heard that if you're younger and your immune system's better, then it'll be a little bit worse off for you. But, you know, it is what it is. A day of some... It wasn't even a day, Not though. even a day. It was like a night and like a morning. Yeah, I think it's hashtag worth it. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I guess I got it light, so... Yeah. And then, uh, what, 10 days, 11 days from now, I'm I'm good? Something like that? Yeah, kind of. So... Um, I feel like I had something to say, but I don't remember what it is. If I remember, I'll 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 say it at the end. But um, we tried to go to brunch <laughs> on Mother's Day, which was stupid. This is unimportant, right? but but like, yeah, it was dumb of us to think that we could go to brunch on Mother's Day without a reservation. Yeah, it's kind of bold. Yeah, bold to assume. Yeah, when I looked for a restaurant for about I don't know three hours before I realized <laughs> before I realized. <laughs> right we just simply weren't getting into one no <laughs> so but it's fine that that's that's just our morning i guess but anyway let's just jump into the story um yeah because this this uh is a very highly requested episode many many people have reached out and asked for this specific story so i'm excited to tell it so we're going to be talking about aaron ralston which is, you know, the guy from the movie 127 Hours, or, you know, it was made about him. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, that's that's kind of how everyone, like, messaged it to me. They're like, do the 127 Hour story. And I was like, okay, I, I got you. So here we are. I'm doing it. Um, so I got most of my information from a really good article from The Guardian written by Patrick Barkham. Um, Wikipedia, the website All That's Interesting, and the movie 127 Hours, because, you know why wouldn't I? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. So Aaron Ralston was born on October 27th, 1975 in Marion, Ohio. And he and his family moved to Denver when he was 12, where he attended Cherry Creek High School and learned to ski and backpack. He received his college degree from the Carnegie Mellon University oh, <laughs> in, <splendid. laughs> in Pittsburgh. <laughs> finishing with degrees in mechanical engineering and French with a minor in piano. Wow, okay. Yeah, I was like... Engineer, but also creative. Yeah, engineer, but also French. Love, <laughs> love language with a minor in piano. Okay, I, hear, I see you. He's doing it. I bet he was a hoot with the ladies. Probably. You know? Like, um, just 
start doing a French piano song. Done. <laughs> Playing piano while speaking French. Yep. Or just singing in French. Omelette du fromage. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so at Carnegie Mellon, he served as a resident assistant. He studied abroad and was an active intramural sports participant. He also worked as a rafting guide during the summer. So he's very and like very active. Mm-hmm. He is very much into an adventure and also very smart. Clearly, because clearly. he went to Carnegie Mellon and doing the most. He's as one might say. Aaron Ralston was doing the most. Of course. Exactly. So after college, Aaron worked as a mechanical engineer with Intel in Ocatello, Tacoma, and Albuquerque for five years, but soon found himself burned out by working in a large corporation. So after those five years, he decided corporate America just wasn't for him and quit his job to devote more time to mountaineering, which is so sick. Yeah, do it. Do it up. Um, He wanted to climb Denali, which is the highest peak in North America. He moved to Aspen, Colorado in order to pursue a life of climbing mountains. As one does when they're mountaineering. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. So in 2002, Ralston moved to Aspen, Colorado, like I just said, uh, to climb full time. And when he got there, he began working toward his goal of climbing all of Colorado's 14ers, which I had never heard of. But that is mountains with peaks that are over 14,000 feet or 4,270 meters altitude. Okay, so high. High, yeah. Um, And there are... Can you breathe up there? What's the deal? I mean, it's probably a little harder. A little bit. I mean, I can't say from experience, but I feel like it was probably a little harder. Probably. Yeah. And like, how many? There are 59 of these these peaks, and he wanted to complete all of them. Uh, And he wanted to do all of them solo and during the winter, which was a feat that had never been recorded before. Oh, so so Mr. Ralston is going for it. Man's got dreams. You know, he's going to do it. And in February of 2003, Aaron went backcountry skiing on Resolution Peak in central Colorado with two of his friends. And on this trip, the men got caught in an avalanche and he actually ended up buried up to his neck in snow. With just his head poking out? Yeah. They got caught in an avalanche. He didn't get like completely buried? I could just imagine like he just, he lands and he's standing up with just his head out but that's pretty much how i picture it as well yeah (laughs) just like ope yeah well i mean it is kind of a silly like picture but at the same time that could have killed him like he's got lucky yeah he he has been through more than one near-death experience which is a little spooky um keeps doing it right uh luckily one of his friends was able to dig him out and together those two dug out their third friend uh, and he said, it was horrible. It should have killed us. Yeah. Thankfully, no one was seriously hurt in this accident, but it kind of outlines the attitude Aaron had toward climbing and also just life in general. He kind of just, you know, did it and didn't really think about the repercussions too too much, you know? He's a risk taker. He's definitely a risk taker. There was a severe avalanche warning that had been issued that day, and Ralston and his friends checked, or if they had checked before climbing they could have completely avoided a very serious and dangerous situation 
most people would take a couple extra steps to be more careful, but Aaron didn't seem to care as much and kept climbing and exploring hazardous terrain completely by himself. Wait, is this the second near-death experience? No, I'm just saying like that experience he had with his two friends, there was an avalanche warning that was sent out that day. And if they had checked, they wouldn't have, you know, been stuck in it. Yeah, but you were saying he's climbing by himself. Yeah, so that was just one instance where he's climbing with with his friends, but, you know, from that point on, he pretty much just does stuff by himself. Oh, okay. Yeah, and only a couple of months later, so that experience with the avalanche was only a couple of months before the main event is what what we're going to talk about. Oh, really? Yeah. So he had a bad year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. 2003 wasn't Aaron Ralston's year. Let's just say that. Uh, And... So only a couple of months later, on April 25th, 2003, Aaron traveled to southeastern Utah to explore Canyonlands National Park. That night, he parked there and slept in his truck. And he woke up the next morning around 9 a.m. It was a beautiful, sunny Saturday morning. He was in a great mood. He was carrying a small rucksack with just one liter of water, two burritos, a few chunks of chocolate, and uh, a multi tool wait what what is it called a multi-tool it's a thing yeah and just like a, a, ch- a very cheap multi-tool okay he had headphones and a video camera but no cell phone uh, and there was no reception anyway so it wouldn't have really mattered but that's just what he had you know and okay right and by 9 15 he was on his way to blue john canyon So Blue John Canyon is a slot canyon, and for those of you who don't know what a slot canyon is, which myself included before now, uh, it's a long, narrow, and deep channel or drainage way with sheer rock walls. They are far more deep than they are wide, so basically you're like in a crack in the earth, and you're just kind of walking in the crack. Okay. Yeah. Walking in the crack. (laughs) It's earth's crack. Earth's crack. Yeah, you're, you're in it. Mm -hmm. so walking yeah you're below ground level for sure so you know you're in the crack (laughs) how many times you're stopped okay we're done also (laughs) we got we each got two we get it that was it we get it so like they're also like just straight down like so there's there's no stairs oh no no elevator no there's no cell phones no he's a climber yeah he's (laughs) he's you know repelling himself with like climbing gear into this you know yes deep part of the earth this cliff yes pretty much but it's very narrow is is this making sense do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah okay so blue john canyon is an 11 mile gorge and in some places the spaces in between the rocks are only three feet wide so that also kind of paints a picture a little bit so he rode his bike 17 miles to almost the entrance of the canyon he locked his bike to something i don't know what because he's yeah, in the middle, the, of the, it. <laughs> the middle of the <laughs> desert and he started on his adventure he still had a little ways to hike to get to blue john but you know he's just having a good time and not too long into his hike he actually spots two women who had also have been been climbing in the area and coming across anyone out in this canyon was extremely rare because it's just the middle of no, like nowhere for sure. Right. And so because he saw these two women who were climbing, he th- he was so excited because he's like, whoa, this is huge. So he just screamed out to them. He's like, hey, what are you, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing out here? What's up, guys? Fancy, fancy hey. meeting you here. 
Uh, and the women were actually lost and asked if he knew where a certain climb was because they were, you know, trying to figure it out. And he pointed them in the in the direction and then asked them if they'd like him to show them where it was. Uh, he introduced himself and the girls, I guess, figured they could trust him. He seemed, you know, really nice. He's a good looking guy, charismatic. And he helped them through a couple of climbs. So he, he's having a great morning. It's, yeah, it's wow. a really good day. Is he single? He, I think he was single at this point. Yeah. I don't know if this actually happened um, in real life, but it happened in the movies. The girls, like, right before they parted ways, uh, the girls were like, hey, we're having a party tomorrow night. You should come through. No way. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's actually <laughs> true because, like, the only bit of the movie that isn't, like, strictly the facts of what actually happened to him was that one part with the girls. So I'm not sure if they actually invited him to a party, but for argue- just. Just for like, for movies, just sake, for of like, course they you know, did. story's sake, we're gonna hey, say yeah. that they invited him to a party. They were flirting a little bit. They're having fun. It was gonna get juicy. Yeah, it could be. So you know, they're gonna part ways at this point because you know he's going to Blue John. They're going somewhere else. And after this spontaneous adventure, they part ways, and Aaron continues toward Blue John Canyon. So at this point, it's about two forty-five p.m. And he has made it to Blue John Canyon, and he has to start his descent into the canyon. So, like I said earlier, there's pretty much just a crack in the earth. I have this in my notes, so (laughs) it's not a joke anymore. (laughs) He's making his way down into it. And the whole time, he's got his headphones on, he's listening to music, he's having a great time. He's very carefree in this moment. But as he's descending into the canyon, he grabs onto this boulder to lower himself further down. But when he grabs this gigantic rock, it dislodges from where it was, and both Aaron and the boulder come crashing down. This obviously all happens very, very quickly, but to Aaron, it felt like slow motion. And as he's falling, this boulder is hitting the very narrow sides of this crack in the earth. And as Aaron hits the ground, he kind of puts his arms above his head to shield his skull from this falling boulder. But because he did that... The boulder smashed one of his hands and then ricocheted off of the walls of the slot canyon and pinned his other arm about halfway up his forearm to the side of the canyon. And I know that's a very jumbled picture I just painted. No, I got it. You got it? Does that make sense? Made a lot of sense. Okay. Basically, he's pinned to the wall. The the boulder has... He just like flipped the boulder with one hand and got his other hand stuck. Well, I don't think that his his right kidding. hand. Oh, I was gonna. I think he flipped it. But yeah, I was I'm gonna just say it one went to the other. Yeah, this boulder. This boulder was eight hundred pounds, so I don't think he really moved no it big at deal. all. <laughs> Do you right. even, he lifts, bro. Aaron probably no big lifts. Deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, he benches like eight hundred and fifteen pounds, so this Easily. is nothing for him. <laughs> um, so he is now crushed. His right hand, I believe, is right. It's his right is now crushed by this boulder. It is up against the slot canyon wall, and it is from about halfway up his forearm is underneath his boulder, just to paint the picture a little bit further. So it's a very narrow space that he's in, and this 800-pound boulder was about bus tire-sized, he said, and it's stuck between the two walls. So when the dust settles from this initial shock of the fall, Aaron realizes what has actually just happened. It was such a stark energy change because not even 30 seconds ago, he was having the time of his life and now he's pinned to the wall of a canyon underground with no cell phone, no nothing. 
So he just kind of stood there for a second and stared at his arm in disbelief. He said, there was a stunned moment of what? And it was almost comic. That's what he said. Wow. He was like, I almost laughed because what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) So the next second, the pain struck. And he said, if you've ever crushed your finger in a door accidentally, it was that times a hundred. Mm, as you could imagine. <laughs> right, as you Jesus. could imagine having your whole hand crushed. Not that, but like half your arm too, right? Well, yeah, it was about, you know, forearm. Right, still. Yeah. It's fucking a lot of arm. <laughs> yes, definitely. But at this point, he's in denial about the situation. and he uh, He's actually in and tries to pull his arm free or lift the boulder. But again, this bitch is 800 pounds and now re-lodged between the two walls of the canyon, so Miss Ma'am is not going anywhere. <laughs> Miss Ma'am is not moving. No, (laughs) Miss Bitch is firmly there. But for about 45 minutes in what he called an adrenalized rage, he cursed like a pirate and tried frantically to move or lift this boulder. So now he's freaking out, as he should. When he stops, he instinctively grabs his water bottle and starts chugging, which is... (laughs) Not good. But after a second, he realizes that this water could mean life or death and immediately stops. Okay. So yeah, good catch. But like, what was the instinct? I mean, I guess he like overexerted himself and didn't really think about the fact that he could be there for a really long time and just kind of started drinking his water because that's what you do. You don't, you're not always in survival mode. And at this point he wasn't completely in survival mode because he was pretty much in denial, Mm -hmm. you know? But he very quickly realizes that that water is very much his only thing keeping him alive. So he stops. He said, I put the lid back on the water bottle and gathered myself. It was like, all right, brute force isn't going to do it. This is the stop, think, observe, plan phase of rational problem solving. I have to think my way out of here. And just to kind of further set the scene, he was trapped 100 feet below the desert surface and 20 miles from the nearest paved road. He also hadn't told anyone about his climbing plans for that day and had absolutely no way of signaling for help. So he's stranded. So he's fucked. Yeah, he is fucked. After that, he pulls everything he brought with him out of his little backpack and he puts it on the boulder in front of him. He had an extremely cheap multi-tool, like I mentioned in the beginning, but the blade on it was very dull, like to the point where it couldn't even cut skin at all he said he got this multi-tool for free when he bought a 15 dollars flashlight so if that puts it into perspective it wasn't even like any kind of good sure right so his mind is going a million miles a minute but he ruled out pretty quickly the most drastic option suicide but he said the second most drastic option came to him immediately he said there's this surreal conversation with myself Aaron, you're going to have to cut your arm off. I don't want to cut my arm off. Dude, you're going to have to cut your arm off. I said it to myself, that little back and forth. Then, wait a minute, stop. I'm not talking to myself. That's just crazy. You're not talking to yourself, Aaron, except I would continue to talk to myself in various ways to remind myself not to pass out. Wow. He's going through it. Well, I guess what I do mean, you do at that point? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, 
any person would be yeah, going I mean, you through have it. To, like have literally like sounds like he has to have like a court battle with himself to pick an option. Yeah, Your Honor, I object. <laughs> so for now, he settles on the next best attempt and pulls out the very dull blade from this multi-tool and starts to uh, try to chip away at the boulder. And for the next two days, he spent most of his time chipping away at the rock. When he wasn't chipping, he had also devised a system of pulleys with his climbing clips and ropes to try to hoist the boulder off of his arm, but this was also unsuccessful because his climbing ropes were very stretchy, so he couldn't get the kind of tension that he needed. Mm. He got stuck on Saturday, and by Sunday morning, around 3 p.m., Aaron recorded his first video diary. And he would do this, you know pretty much throughout his entire time being stuck because I think it was a yeah, little bit to of keep a his sanity. Yeah, he kept his sanity and also by the end it was very much like his last will and testament and also like his goodbyes to his family and friends and stuff, which is so dark, but you know, he's he really thought he was going to die there. But this is the first video that he's taken at Sunday around 3 p.m. So he's pretty much been there for like 24 hours at this point. He told the camera, my name is Aaron Ralston. My parents are Donna and Larry Ralston of Inglewood, Colorado. Whoever finds this, make an attempt to get it to them. Be sure of it. I would appreciate it. And you can actually see this video. It's on YouTube if you like Google his name or whatever. The other uh, recordings of him down there from his video camera aren't online, I don't think. There's like a couple audio things that you can listen to, but I think his videos that he had from that experience he kind of kept to himself and was like i'm gonna keep this private like just for my family right although in 127 hours his uh uh, what's his name i I don't know james franco uh actually james franco's monologues that he does to the camera are almost verbatim most of them are almost verbatim from his actual you know experience so you get a pretty good idea of what actually was said So I actually do have one of these recordings pulled up and I'm going to play it. If you can't hear what it says, I'm going to read what it says afterwards, but I kind of wanted to have, you know, you guys hear his tone a little bit. Is that cool? Let's do it. I'm cutting a lot of effort in this thing one. I have very, very little water. My body's having difficulty controlling its temperature. I'm in deep stuff. It's pretty much suicide. It's uh, four hours from here. To my vehicle, climbing would probably be impossible with one hand. The blood loss and my dehydration, I think, um, are ruling that out. And I think I would die if I cut my arm. Okay, I don't know if that was you know, if you could understand what he said, but he said, I've been putting a lot of effort into staying warm. I have very, very little water. My body's having difficulty controlling its temperature. I'm in deep stuff. It's pretty much suicide. It's been four hours from here to, or it's four hours from here to my vehicle. Climbing would probably be impossible with one hand. The blood loss and my dehydration, I think, are ruling that out. I think I would die if I cut my arm. So he's he's just trying to talk through every possible thing, you know. He's like, I don't I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, that was that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, like, what what else can you do? Yeah, I don't know. But during the night, it gets really, really cold, and he was wearing shorts and a t-shirt because, you know, he's climbing during the day in the desert, so why would he have a ton of layers? So he's 
trying to use whatever he has to attempt to keep himself warm. Um, He tied his ropes around his arms. He used another rope as a scarf to keep his neck warm. And he used a plastic bag that he was, he had in his backpack for like his burritos and stuff. He put that over his arms as well to try to insulate himself. And he put on his headphones for his ears. And then he put his backpack over his head. Mm. So he did as much as he possibly could. And I think it, I mean, it worked, but it just is crazy. Like I would never think to use my climbing ropes as like a scarf, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Hey, it works out. No, it's it's really smart. A plastic bag. Yeah, I mean the plastic bag is smart because that keeps the heat in pretty well. But yeah, um, yeah. So he that night he eats one of his burritos that he brought and just pretty much has a small sip of water because at this point he doesn't have a ton of water left and he's very much trying to ration it and you mm. know make it last as long as possible. And I was I was just thinking like it must have been so scary each time he took a sip because he's just one sip closer to death. Yeah. You know, like obviously you can't think that way if you're in that situation, but it must be really hard not to. Yeah. You know, it's what I mean? like your own hourglass. Yeah, exactly. It's that I can't even imagine being in that kind of survival situation where you have to like ration your water. I wouldn't even, oh God, it's just done. Like as we usually can't put ourselves there. Yeah, for sure. But you know, I just, I was thinking about that like actual tidbit a little bit too hard and it was anxiety inducing. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So he's trying really hard not to panic, but as time goes on, all he can do is think about everything that he did wrong. You know, he's thinking about the fact that he didn't answer his mom's phone call, you know, and tell her where he was going. He didn't leave a note. He didn't, you know, he he went by himself. All these things. So Monday morning, he wakes up and he immediately tries to use his pulley system again. He ties the ropes around his feet so he can try to use his entire body weight to try to shift this boulder. But, you know, he's just one guy and he's he's a pretty fit guy. So it doesn't budge. Yeah, and I mean, like, 800 pounds, even if you got it directly under you, is mm-hmm. quite a lot to bench press, or what <laughs> is it, squat press? I guess. I guess. Yeah, no, it, it, it wasn't going anywhere. I mean, it was a, a good attempt, but it's it's not going anywhere. Um, in another recording, he said, I don't know what it is about me that's brought me to this, but I go out looking for adventure and risk so I can feel alive. To not tell someone where I'm going, it's just dumb. I can't stop thinking about how good grapefruit juice or a margarita or an OJ or a popsicle, all these great things that I, I'd love to have. I can't think about that stuff. God, I'm really screwed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm not laughing. I'm just like, holy shit, you know? So at that point, he had peed twice. And the second time he did, he peed into his camelback, which is like that backpack pouch for water where you Mm kind of sip through a straw over your shoulder you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. so he peed into one of those uh because there was no more water in it i guess because he figured at some point i could use this you know right but most of his time was spent trying to chip away at this rock but after those two days of almost entirely chipping away he realized that his hand was kind of supporting the boulder. So when he chipped more and more of it away, it was almost making it settle more and making it worse for him. Mm. Meaning it was doing the opposite of what he wanted it to do. And at this point, he comes to the realization that he needs to cut off his arm if he wants to get out of there. 
So he took that stretchy straw part out of his camelback and tied it around his arm so he could use it as a tourniquet. And then he used a carabiner to kind of tighten it as much as he could. But all he has is that extremely dull blade. So he tried to start, you know, sawing through his skin. He, he attempted to do that, but it couldn't even break his skin. He tried sawing through his skin for a while, but nothing happened. It was, Jesus. you know, it wasn't serrated. It was just a smooth blade. So it wasn't like he could use it to saw through anything. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just wondering if he could sharpen it on the rock. I thought that too, but I mean, I don't think that it worked. You know, I'm sure he tried, you know, he's there for five or six days. Like, he, yeah. I'm sure he tried. I mean, but that. also maybe not because you're, <laughs> you think you're going to die. Right. Sometimes you just miss things. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but. He the, the knife was actually so dull that he couldn't even use it to cut the hair on his arm. Wow. So he took a break after that. <laughs> he, he, uh, he needed a little break, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Of course, but after, like... <laughs> after trying to saw his arm off, he's like, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the knife yeah. off, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. So now we go into Tuesday. And Aaron was actually scheduled to work that day. But he knew that even if his coworker went to the police, there would be a 24-hour hold before he became officially a missing person. So the earliest anyone would even begin to look for him would have been midday on Wednesday. And that was the best case scenario, you know? Mm -hmm. That's if his, his coworker was like, hey, I'm going to go to the police, which is all, already kind of a, a stretch, mm -hmm. you know, because he's a grown man. Right. But then again, he could have been a really reliable grown man who always shows up to a shift. So maybe, you know, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, calm a few times. Can't yeah. Get a hold of him. Yeah. Maybe he's sick. Maybe he's whatever. I don't know. So, you know, best case scenario, they would have started searching for him midday Wednesday. And this is, you know, Tuesday morning. So he's mm. he's he's like shit. And actually, by this point, his water is gone. So that's not good. Yeah. So he has till... What, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, end of Thursday? Well, yes, theoretically, but he's already been rationing water for like two days. So he's not hydrated. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So he's, he, his, his time is, is ticking. And at this point, Aaron pulls out his camera and pretty much says his goodbyes to his parents. But he pulls out the knife again. And this time he realizes that he can use it like a dagger. And he he stabs himself in the arm, like, really fast and hard. He's like, scoop. <laughs> <laughs> scoop. Scoop. Okay. That, I was trying Thank to make... Thank you for the sound effect. I'm sorry, I was really trying to make it sound like... <laughs> that was silly. Anyway, so he stabbed himself really fast and hard, and the bone hit... Or, the bone. The knife hit his bone, which is not good, because it, he can't cut through the bone. It's a bone, you know what I mean? Mm. So... Aaron said later that he vividly remembers how it felt to have the knife in his arm touching his bone. He said, because it meant, I'm going to die. It went from, I did it, to, oh, I'm going to die here. I could no more chip through that bone than I would be able to excavate the rock to free my hand. So, you know, he stabbed himself. He's like, sweet. And then he's like, oh, shit, bone. Right. He had even carved his name and the day, which is when he assumed he'd die, into the wall of the canyon. So he's prepping, you know, he's like, that's it. I am going to die. But that night, which was his last night, 
he really wasn't doing well. His heart rate was super erratic. He started hallucinating due to hunger, dehydration, and the temperatures that he was enduring. Uh, But in that hallucination, he had a vision of a small boy. He said, I see myself in this out-of-body experience playing with him with a handless right arm. I see myself scoop him up and there's this look in his eyes. Daddy, can we play now? That look tells me this is my son. This is in the future. I'm going to have this experience someday. Now it's like, I am going to get through this night. Wow. Yeah. For your future son. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's a fucking wild hallucination. Yeah. So he's like, he's determined now. He's like, okay, you know what? This is a sign. I'm going to make it. And now we're going into Wednesday morning, which is his fifth and final day stuck in this boulder. And that morning, he didn't have any water left. And he decided that he could drink the pee that he stored in his camel back, which I guess at that point was better than nothing. But also I've heard, I meant to look this up, but I've heard that drinking your pee is actually not, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I've heard that like, if you're in the desert, you can use it to like damp your clothes. Mm. And that would kind of help you like keep your- Keep warm or keep cool. Keep your body. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it's kind of like- basically drinking salt water because that's what it is yeah. it's just like a bunch of shit in the water oh now i'm just thinking about a person who puts pee all over themselves yeah not a great look oh, no. but you know if you gotta do it you gotta do the it the smell oh i'm sorry i won't get that in our heads Ooh, yeah continue <laughs> okay so I'll... he drank the pee he drank his pee so he got through that and now he was ready to rock <laughs> shut up you wrote that in i did and then i said pun intended <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll I'll leave. <laughs> Should I leave? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He he knew that he wouldn't have been able to free himself with just the knife because again, it, you're still laughing. <laughs> it was pretty good. Thank you. I'm very funny. I didn't see it coming either. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trying. So he knew he wouldn't have been able to free himself with just the knife because it couldn't go through the bone. But he figured out that he could break his bones against the boulder and then use the knife to cut through the rest. So he had this crazy moment where he was kind of contorting his body a little bit. I think he like freaked out again. And then he felt his bones bend. He felt his bones bend. And then in that moment, he smiled. He had a a, a, like a a light bulb kind of moment. Epiphany. Yeah. And he smiled and he's like, I can break my bones. And so he did. And he turned his body in a way that allowed him to fall backwards and literally snap both of the bones in his arm. The snap of the bones, he said, was like pow. (laughs) (laughs) The sound effects of this episode are fantastic. Like pow. Pow. I I just, I couldn't imagine the sound of bones snapping. You know what I mean? That would be like a really hard, like, clack. Like you're snapping a stick or some shit, you know? Mm. Over your knee. It's like... But like bone. But but dude. bone. <laughs> but if it was like bone, though, you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so it was a horrifying sound, he said. But it, to me, it was euphoric. The detachment had already happened in my mind. It's rubbish. It's going to kill you. Get rid of it, Aaron. It's an it. It's no longer my arm. As I picked up the knife, I was very cool and collected. Wow. Crazy. The mentality of this is really crazy oh yeah but like that's what he needed that's where he needed to be in order to do that yeah yeah definitely you can't just do that 
You know what I mean? Like you had to have a really big lead up to be able to do that kind of shit, which he did. And so he snapped his bones. And as painful as that was, he then took that knife that he couldn't even saw through anything with and started stabbing himself in the arm to detach his, you know, flesh and muscle and nerves and everything from his body. Yeah, chills. (laughs) It took him an hour to do this. He took an hour to hack through his flesh, and he said, as painful as it was, the momentum of the euphoria was driving it. Wow. So he's like a crazy lunatic stabbing himself. He's like, ah, ah, ah. you know, he's <laughs> probably like crazy laughing. Rolling up on that. He's like written his name and date. He's just fucking stabbing his arm. Could you imagine you roll up on it and he's, he's like, you save him. He, he like looks up from the crack in the earth. He just broke. Like he literally just finished cutting it. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck, dude? What? 30 <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah. Would have been great. What the hell? Uh, that didn't happen, unfortunately, but. So he, he did it. He detached himself. And actually during all of this, like the stabbing and everything, he lost 25% of his blood volume, which is a lot of blood. Yeah. That's a lot of blood. And he's already dehydrated and hungry and delirious. So not great. And after the hour was finally over of hacking through his own arm, he successfully detached himself and fell backwards away from the boulder. I don't know. Is like, this like the Mary Vincent story? It's just like falling backwards from a hacked off arm. Well, yes, exactly that. I mean, it's a far different scenario, but I mean, can his feet touch the ground? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He just kind of stumbles backwards and like s- stares at his arm in the yeah. boulder and like has a second where he's like, whoa, uh, that just fucking happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, now he's got to move because he's he's very much on a uh, on a clock. Yeah, dude, you know, you go get some water. Yeah, so he detached his arm, and like that isn't even. I mean, it was the hard part for sure, but he's not in the easy part yet. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So he's still a hundred feet under the surface, and he has to climb out and like repel himself down places and hike, and like he's got a long journey ahead of him. Before he left that place, he took a final photograph of his arm that was still trapped in the boulder. And I I have the picture that I'll put it on Instagram. Um, And at that point, he's on a mission, Mm -hmm. which is is an understatement. But he used the plastic bag to wrap around his now stump of an arm and used the pieces of his climbing kit as a tourniquet and strapped himself up and somehow managed to scale a 65 foot cliff to escape the canyon so he climbed out of the the crack and then he had to repel himself down a 65 foot cliff is that not crazy that's i'm speechless i I don't have any words other than like holy shit oh so he managed to repel himself down the side of this 65 foot cliff because someone had installed hooks into the rock no for his you know carabiners and whatever and climbing equipment so he was able to repel himself down because other climbers were like, yeah, this is, we climb. Do you climb, wow. bro? Do you climb, bro? So yeah, the only reason he did that or was able to survive is because people put hooks there. there. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So he lowered himself down with one hand, obviously. Uh, side note, what do climbers do when they get to the bottom? You know what I mean? Like, do they just leave their ropes and their and their oh, equipment right. and shit? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, that's a genuine question. If you If you climb... 
tell me, send me a DM, a DM or an email or something. Cause I don't like, what do you do? Do you just have like a plethora of, of climbing? Oh, good word. Thank you. Of climbing gear with you. I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely interested. So tell me. Gotta but, get it somehow. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, as he reached the bottom, there was a small puddle of dirty water actually. And as gross as it was, he was like, sick and he dove head first into it and drank that shitty water up so he was like yes water yeah. <laughs> i'm sure that's exactly how he said it too yeah i think he was singing exactly <laughs> uh he still had eight miles to hike back to his car that's so many miles and and he did he hiked through the desert severely dehydrated losing blood and in the hot sun but after almost seven of the eight miles he stumbled upon a family from the netherlands who had been hiking in this canyon again super rare to see people in this canyon you know it's it's the middle of the desert there's so much desert and yet he stumbled upon another group of people which is extremely lucky right but you know i guess it's just a party at this time yeah it's a whole party so this family, he starts screaming for this family. He's like, help, you know, he, as you should. And they see him and they immediately give them, give him their water and they feed him Oreos that they had, <laughs> which would have, I would have loved. And he, and they quickly alerted the authorities. So Canyonland's officials had already been alerted to Aaron Ralston being missing and had been searching the area by helicopter, but if he hadn't freed himself in the pretty much the exact moment that he did, he wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked anyway, the search, because he was so far below the surface that a helicopter wouldn't have been able to see him. Right. Four hours after amputating his arm, Aaron was rescued by medics. And they believed that that timing could not have been any more perfect. If he had amputated his arm any sooner, he would have bled to death. And had he waited, he would have died in the canyon from, you know, dehydration or whatever. Following Aaron's rescue, his severed arm and hand were retrieved by park rangers from beneath the boulder. It took 13 rangers, a hydraulic jack, and a winch to remove the boulder. So Wow. So he was not going to chip it out. No, exactly not. No, exactly not. That's, exactly not. Exactly. That's funny. Uh, which might have not been possible with the rest of his body there. So the only reason they were able to do that was because he actually did free himself. Wow. So all signs point to he had to, he had to do it. Yeah, definitely. If it wasn't apparent enough. <laughs> right. And his arm was actually cremated and returned to Aaron. And six months later, on his 28th birthday, he returned to the slot canyon and scattered the ashes where he said they belonged. Wow. Yep. That gave me chills. Some woo-woo spiritual shit. It's like the <laughs> the, uh, the cliff claimed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Aaron appeared on television morning shows, late night specials, and press tours. And throughout it all, he was in shockingly good spirits. And three years later, he met his wife, Jessica, and their son, Leo, was born on February of, or in February of 2010. And I believe he also had a second child after that, but I'm not entirely sure about that. But he definitely had a son. So his his uh, his vision was correct. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. That's some woo-woo shit, if you ask me. I wonder, like, does he ever save, like, the hair color and, like, 
everything else matched up with his hallucination. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Probably, you probably wouldn't remember it, right? I don't know. Yeah. the important parts. But right. That would be really weird if the... If it was shot, exactly yeah, his Yeah, it was son. exactly the same. And then yeah. it's like, oh. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So he continued to be a climber and a canyoneer, but now he always leaves a note to say where he has gone. <laughs> so he's learned. As you should. Yep, he learned. Uh, it only took one hand. <laughs> and part of his arm. And part of his arm. Uh, in 2005, he became the first person to climb all 59 of Colorado's 14ers alone and in the snow and one-handed to boot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So he finished it. He did it. Yeah, he did oh, it by I can't himself. I imagine how that felt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's not how he planned, but he did it. He didn't fucking quit. Mm-mm. And he said that he admits to moments of frustration with his prosthetic arm, but he sees it as his salvation. He said it was getting me my life back, which, I mean, of course, I feel like it, it's very right. understandable that he has moments of frustration, but... That's great that he has a positive outlook on it, you know? In Blue John Canyon, he also has a, a literal touchstone, uh, the rock that crushed and trapped him, and he still visits it. He says, I touch it and I go back to that place remembering where I thought about what's important in life, relationships, and this quest to get out of there and return to love and relationships, return to freedom instead of entrapment. Aaron Ralston himself praised the film 127 Hours, as brutally realistic. He praised 127 Hours not only for its loyalty to the concrete facts of his harrowing true story, but also for its honest depiction of his emotions during the five-day-long ordeal. He said it's about as close to a documentary as you can get and still be a drama. So it's, it's a really good movie. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. He said he was also glad that the filmmakers were okay with including the smiling part where... James Franco has the moment that he could break his bones to get his arm free because he said, I had to hound the team to make sure that the smile made it into the film, but I'm really happy that it did. You can see that smile. It was a really triumphant moment. I was smiling when I did it. So he, wow. that was like the most important part. He was like, you got to get that. And they did. And, and they weren't going to though? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess not, but he was like, you got to have that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad they listened to him, but like, you would think that would be like a really like visceral part to depict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He said the love of others, his relationships with his family and friends kept him alive. Uh, And the tool that connected him to other people's love was his camera. He said, it's like this lifeline to the outer world to other living beings to love. That's what kept me alive. He also said the lesson is that resilience is about flexibility. It's not just about exercising your strengths. It's also about exercising what aren't your strengths. I'm a very analytical and rational person, very mind-centered in my life, and yet here's this way I was very heart-centered, both finding my strength and finding the solution. It didn't have any it didn't have anything to do with logic. It had to do with the sensation, the feeling of the bone just bending in a really weird way. Then it became a thought, I can break my bones. And that is the story of Aaron Ralston. Damn. Yep. That's a banger. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the most interesting part is to me of most of these stories is like how it puts things in perspective for people. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he had that realization as well. He's like, the relationships are really the only thing that matters. Yeah. And then he actually went on to marry and have, have a kid. Yeah. So that's just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 
I can't believe that this shit is real. Like, I also bet he returned his mom's phone calls now. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I bet. But it's just such a wild, crazy story. It know? is. It is such a wild, crazy story. I just don't get how he... Like, how much blood can you lose and still live? So he lost a quarter of his blood. Let's Google it. Yeah, it's... And then he hiked, which I just don't... I don't get because, like, you're exerting yourself. So I would imagine that you're, like, pumping more blood out. Like, it just seems so impossible. But yet he did it. Yeah, that's the craziest bit is not only did he hack off his arm, but he hiked. He climbed out of this, you know underground area where he was which wasn't like an easy thing he had to actually climb out of there and then he had to repel himself one-handed down the side of another cliff and then had to hike seven miles with a bleeding limb yeah (laughs) you know that's the crazy and also four or five days of no water essentially you know because i mean he had some but he was taking little sips yeah so he was very dehydrated and hungry crazy that's yeah. crazy the human body is is Wild. resilient and then they gave him oreos yeah they're like here's oreos that's perfect that, that's what i want my final he's meal like for. what no milk what are we doing here what the hell um it says people can die from losing half to two-thirds of their blood okay. the average adult has about four to six liters of blood oh so he had a whole nother quarter to give he's fine he's fine yes. come on what are you pansy Give another quarter. Bro, you only lose a quarter of your blood, pussy. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I couldn't even finish really saying that. That's but, okay. You know. We get it. Anyway, craziness. Do you uh, have a good thing? Got my second vaccine this week. Oh, yeah. That's my good thing. That is your good boom, thing. Boom, boom. Put you on the, on the spot. Let's go. What's your good thing? My good thing was we... Uh, I got... Uh, let off from work a little bit earlier than I usually was let off one night and um, you were at my restaurant like eating dinner and as we were walking to my car I was like let's go get a drink and it like felt normal almost yeah it was very weird yeah we got to go sit outside yeah and take your mask off right you're, like outside and it was, away it was from also people. very spacious out yeah. there and we were like watching a we were walking, we were watching the end of the Lakers game yeah and drinking and I was like oh yeah, I was like, wait a minute. This, this is, feels like the before time. This is the before time. A little weird. What's um, going on? Yeah, I mean, it was just really nice to have a little bit of a spontaneous moment and, you know, feel okay about it. Yeah. Because the beginning of, of this mess was really, really hard. I'm sure for everyone. But yeah. I, I like mentally, it was really tough, you know? Yeah. But, but, you know, we're getting yeah. there. We're definitely getting there. My, I just want to put out in the universe that I can, you know, have Halloween. Right. I just want Halloween. Please, universe, please. please. Which actually, it's a Sunday this year and I don't work on a Sunday. So I'm Ooh. hype. I'm hype about it. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to follow us on Instagram and keep up with all the pictures that we post about each each of the cases that we talk about, follow us at nottoday underscore podcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival uh, or really anything at all, send us an email at nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter, which is nottodaypodcast with a T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that just makes sense. Because that makes sense. And we have a TikTok. Follow us at nottodaypodcast. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.